Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Let's get ready, ready, let's get ready, ready, let's get ready for Central. Watch <laughs> watch us wreck the mic, watch us wreck the mic. Right, right. It's the last Central before the Royal Rumble, the road to WrestleMania starts now. I'm your host, Ross McLeod, the PJ Duncan of my family, uh, joined, joined by my sidekick, my Declan Donnelly, my Scott McLeod, Scott Howard. <laughs> I heard when you started, I thought, don't laugh at this. And then you suck in Central, and I wasn't expecting you to, and I couldn't help it. But yeah. Don't laugh, it'll just encourage him. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, PJ's and, isn't he? Because I can't remember. It's been that year since What's I watched that. PJ and Duncan. I said PJ Duncan as if it was one person, but I, I think <laughs> it played on a. An, like, I, I'd put old songs on for. Um, for the residents and work the other day and then all of a sudden it was the big reunion so all of a sudden <laughs> these pensioners in their 80s and 90s are watching five atomic kitten blue and and Beck. <laughs> you know it's funny that you made the comparisons because i think you should be trusted as much as a horse's aunt should be behind a car <laughs> Fuck off. right anyway moving swiftly on swiftly on of course, this is ESSR Central. This is the premiere show. I, the Ali McCoy, the likable, lovable host of the premiere show on ESSR. But of course, we do have a snivelling Chris Sutton who hosts Saturday Draft Live, the B show of this network. We also have East Meets West and our weekly feature shows. This past week, our feature show was on the career of Roman Reigns. Check that out now. You can find that on our massive back catalogue of interviews, previews, news and reviews, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, uh, sorry, Android, Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes, yes, but I mentioned Twitter, yes, that's because we do have a Twitter, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, saved it, and of course, the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet community, you can get involved in the needless question that David Campbell asks every week to make himself feel relevant. But anyway, enough about him. Let's talk about the Royal Rumble. I would be offended by your snivelling Chris Sutton, you know, joke there if I knew anything about Chris Sutton. He's a prick. I mean, could you honestly tell me that David Campbell is not a prick? Oh, talking about me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. No, I was, I was talking about him. <laughs> All right. Don't throw me in with him. You're the Daryl Curry, Scott. You're just, you're just. I don't know who that is either. Well, he he's a host of a Scottish football show, and much like him, you're just a bit plain and unoffensive. You're you're like toast. You know what I mean? It's 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 nice to have a bit of toast occasionally, but you don't want a stable diet of it. Anyway, (laughs) fuck off. Anyway, let's talk about the Royal Rumble. This show is turns into more of a farce every week, doesn't it? Um, you just Scott, and I don't mean like I I I don't have a clue. As in, oh God, you know, there's three or four actual participants that I think can win this. I honestly don't know who's going to win the. We'll start with the men's Royal Rumble. I have no clue who's going to win the men's Royal Rumble. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, there are a couple of different CDs out there. You know, it would help if a few people would stop getting fucking injured. And I mean that for both the men's and the women's. 
Because <laughs> some of us like to say we're draftees and some people win in the Rumble. But it's weird because like before Big E lost the title, uh, it would have been a lot harder because obviously Big E seems to be a favourite in a lot of people's minds, myself included, because other than him, it's hard for me to really see anybody like winning the Rumble. Like I can't really see many people other than, than Big E right now. So if he wasn't in it, then it'd be a lot harder, I think, to predict because by happenstance of him losing the title and then the setup with Lashley's match against Lesnar, that it feels like you've got something ready-made for Big E going to Mania. But, you know, it's not that you don't have, like, credible people in the Rumble. It's just the fact that, you know, the fact that a couple of notable ones have been injured has made it a lot harder. Yeah, I I sent this to a friend. Um... It's and I, I generally I captioned it with there's 22 men on this poster and I can see like literally one of them winning mm-hmm. um, and even then I'm still not sure that one being Big E but on the poster we have our celebrity uh, entrant Johnny Knoxville uh, both members of the Street Profits Damien Priest uh, 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 a year since his debut mm-hmm. um, on the main roster um, for throwing out. <laughs> um we have Moss and Corbin, we have Kofi Kingston, we have Sami Zayn, we have both the Mysterios, we have both members of the Alpha, Maca- Alpha Academy, sorry, Austin Theory, both the Dirty Dogs, uh, RK Bro, Sheamus, Omos, AJ, Kevin Owens, and as I mentioned, Big E. Um, Big E is really the only person I can see winning that, but at the same time, um, he's, he's not been... I said uh, back at Survivor Series, I didn't think Big E would be champion come the Royal Rumble. I thought he was going to win the Rumble. But he's not really been protected or booked in a way that says Royal Rumble winner. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm looking at this 28-man field and um, possibly going to be 23-man field. I saw a rumour online that Bad Bunny was meant to return for a spot in the Royal Rumble. Um I, again, wouldn't mind. I liked Bad Bunny when he was here. It could be a wee fun, wee fun spot there. But if that leaves seven spots available, and I, I don't know who you get to fill those seven spots. I, I really, I really don't. It, one of my gripes here, though, and it, it absolutely drives me mental. Um, tag teams and the Royal Rumble. Can we get that to buggery? I don't like RK Bro. I don't mind because like Riddle's, you know, a former former tag champ in Raw and NXT and a former US champ, mostly a singles run apart from his run with uh, Pete Dunne and Randy Orton. Randy Orton, multiple-time world champion, two-time Royal Rumble winner. But the likes of the Dirty Dogs and American, uh, no American Alpha, Alpha Academy and the Mysterios and, you know, Corbin and Moss, I mean... It's hard for me to suspend my belief when the guy who lost the tag team number one contenders match two weeks ago on Raw comes out at like number 28. I don't think, wow, he's drawn a good number. He's going to do well. I think, wow, what a waste of a spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always weird when like the most random person who will say no a chance of winning comes out in those numbers. And they keep giving the case of people the number 27 spot, which really takes away from like how they try to hype up the fact that just by sheer coincidence it happens to have the most winners, despite the fact nobody's won from that number since 2001, and they still yeah. claim it's the luckiest like, number that you get to the likes of Apollo Cruises getting that number. Uh, 
thinking like I would sorry, just to that point, I wouldn't mind them it, like still doing that if they gave it to a oh god, it's Randy Orton or oh, oh god, Seth Rollins or you know even almost like oh my god, how are we going to get him over? You know, he's not been taken off his feet once. You know, stuff like that build a bit of suspense around it. But when you go, you know, I don't automatically think that the Brooklyn Brooklyn brawler is going to become a world beater because he drew number twenty seven. I mean, it's just, it's not one of those, it's not like 27 is like the trainers and like Mike, and all of a sudden, Bowen <laughs> can dunk like Michael Jordan. It doesn't work that way. Oh, there's a reference. I don't know how many people are going to remember. Not uh, <laughs> long ago, I remember we got that film from a blockbuster. Remember those? <laughs> I think it actually was a global video. Oh, fuck you, hell. <laughs> the place you were going, going to when Blockbuster was having a slow night. <laughs> but, well, in terms of tag teams, I think you mentioned Mysterio's and RK Bro. They're the only two real tag teams I think I mind being in the Rumble because, well, both of them feature one half of the team as a former Rumble winners on each side with Mysterio and Orton, respectively. But also, I know we criticise people like WWE splitting up the tag teams, but I think at least one or both of these teams is going to split up shortly after the Rumble and have a match with me. I mean, it's more likely I think it'd be Orton Riddle, even though Orton said he's enjoyed you know, teaming with Riddle. Like, they started at the Raw after Mania last year, and they're still going, which is bizarre to me. Uh, I feel like the WWE's wanted to do a breakup with Dom and Ray for a while, but they seem to be still hesitant to keep resisting it. So I think at least one of these two teams, like, one of them's going to eliminate the other, which is going to lead to, like, tensions boiling over on the Raw after the Rumble, which kickstarts the feud to the feud to Mania. So Alpha Academy can go on and fight whatever remains of the Raw division, because, like, I, I, I kind of like the Street Profits, not as much as I used to, but, like, as much as I like to see Monsters 4 could probably be good for a, a spot or two, I still don't, wouldn't really feel like I'm missing anything if he wasn't in the Rumble. I I don't mind Alpha Academy holding the tag titles, but I, I really... And I, it's a small division, as you mentioned, the Raw tag division, but I... Um, I wish we could go back to the the way things used to be, where it was like, if you were on a match at the Rumble, you know, that you're not in the Rumble. You know what I mean? We're not, you're not in the Rumble because you're fighting for the IC title. So you, you chose to go after the IC title instead of the main event at WrestleMania. That's your choice. You know what I mean? Or, hey, you're, you're going after the tag titles. Great, you know. Yeah. There's been a couple of years where, you know, They've had to double up on people because of short rosters, but I just, again, I, I don't like tag teams. And I mean, we we talked about this. We went to ICW's uh, Square Goal uh, twenty nineteen before uh, sorry twenty twenty before you know things stopped due to COVID, and we were counting up like, hold on, people in factions and tag teams. There was something like twelve people. You're like, that's more of a third of that rumble. You're looking here, and you've got. RK Bro, the Mysterios, uh, the Alpha Academy, Street Profits, and Corbin and Moss, and that—that's ten. That's exactly a third of the Rumble wasted on tag slots. You know yeah. what I mean? I, I wouldn't mind if they went, you know, brought back qualifiers to because the 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 rods to the Rumble. There's not a lot on the TV. Mm-hmm. Why not say right? By the way, you know. 
Profits versus Dirty Dogs. By the way, Profits, well done for winning, but only one of you get to go in, so you'll face each other next week. Yeah. You don't need to break up the teams. You don't need, you, you know, when one wins and one loses, they shake hands and go, right, I'll be by your side when you win the Rumble. And that, that's it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I don't mind one or two people being in there. I know we need to fill spots, but at the same time, just it takes away for the Rumble knowing at least a third of the participants are going to be wasted entrants. Yeah. And you go back to what you're saying about the tight division, it's a bit of an interesting what you said there. Like, uh, it's not that deep, the raw tight division. Everybody paddling, paddling pools with more depth in that division. <laughs> but I don't know what you think of this, but I've seen a lot of people who've had this theory that somehow Brock is going to lose the WWE title and then just enter himself in the Rumble and win it just to get to the match with Roman. I, I don't believe that, and I probably wouldn't like to see that because I think there are ways to get to that match with Roman that don't involve like giving Brock the Rumble when he doesn't need... Although I do think there's a strong chance like you could have Seth, uh, if you have the the men's rumble, you never know which rumble they're going to put on first, but if you have the men's rumble going after the Universal title match, you can have Seth just jump somebody backstage like in a, an Apollo Crews or someone like that, or like a Angelo Dawkins and steal their number. Like and This is random because I was watching some highlights from it the other day. Like Kurt Angle, he, he was in a WWE title match at the Rumble 2005, and they just saw Nunzio walking backstage and just battered him and stole his number. <laughs> what I, I I miss that I miss the like the people stealing people's slots and people it happens every couple of years and it doesn't happen as often now and I like last time I believe it was 2018 Sami Zayn stole uh, Ty Dillinger's number 10 mm-hmm. yeah so um, I, I don't I don't mind stuff like that but yeah it, it just it I'm, I'm looking at the field here. Um, an AJ Styles or a Kevin Owens, do you think one of them has a chance? I don't really think so because, uh, yeah, Kevin's like re-signed and everything, but uh, I think they were kind of teasing like there's still a tentative alliance between him and, and uh, Seth because they were teaming up in the day one match. Kevin's kind of a heel now. So I don't think he's going to win the Rumble AJ like especially after the thing with the breakup with Omos, I think Omos is definitely going to get a, a highlight in the rumble. Like he's got like the Diesel in '94, or Cute Cali in like '07, just the guy who chucks a bunch of gets the most eliminations for the men's rumble. And unfortunately, I think AJ as his former partner is going to, you know, be one of the people thrown out by him. Do you think Omos is going to get a spotlight and AJ will fall victim to that? Yeah, kinda. Like, cause yeah. like, again, I'm, I'm trying to think like other than like. All I can think of is there's Big E and a bunch of tag teams I can tag wrestlers. I'm trying to think. I mean, I'm, I'd like to see some of NXT guys maybe pop up and there are a couple of surprises here and there, but try to think who else could possibly win it. And like you said, Big E hasn't been the, you know, the best like booked like since between day one and this. So he's not looked the strongest, but isn't not all Rumble winners in history have shown have been about the strongest going into their Rumble wins. Because like Nakamura, the pay-per-view before his Rumble win was in a tag match where he lost to Owens and Zayn and yet still felt more like a backroom player because Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon were both the special guest referees for whatever reason. But I'm looking forward to see what Johnny Knoxville's spot involves. Like, I want him to come out like number one, like almost number two, and immediately gets back. Like a Drew Carey Kane-esque moment between those two. Uh, I, think, um, I think number one is going to be Sami Zayn. <laughs> I think... I think... Sami Zayn will get two eliminations. I think 
say say Moss and just for talking sake Ziggler, two people that aren't going to win the rumble. Say they're you know two and three. Sami Zayn eliminates both them, and then out comes Johnny Knoxville, who's been circling the ring. He'll eliminate Sami Zayn as like say number four, and then as you said, the Drew Carey Kane moment. Almost number five for Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, like, with Knoxville, like, I'm sure he's going like, to get involved in, like, and you not going to be very tape bumps, but, like, you think about it, he could take a pro, he could probably take a Canadian destroyer on the outside and it would probably still be safer than half the shit he's done for Jackass over the years. <laughs> yeah, very possible, very possible. Um, we're looking just now to the, to the Women's Royal Rumble. Uh, two rumoured names, two big hitters for that one. Um, Ronda Rousey and Asuka, both rumoured for the Women's Royal Rumble. So, Ronda Rousey, obviously, a Raw Women's Champion for the majority of her WWE run, uh, made her debut at the Royal Rumble in 2018, had a great match at WrestleMania with uh, Stephanie and Triple H, teaming with Kurt Angle. Uh, helped main event. I don't think the women would have been in the main event if it wasn't for Ronda Rousey. That was that was what convinced I think Vince to put them in the main event and did get a lot of mainstream eyes on the fact that Ronda Rousey was there. Uh, we've not seen her since. She's went away. She's started a family. Uh, WWE have apparently made heavy plays for her. I think the women's division has suffered since Ronda Rousey left. I think it's a uh, it's a it's a massive star who was suddenly taken out of the division because Ronda Rousey and me, all her matches have that big fight, Brock Lesnar feel about them. And then all of a sudden she was just gone. And then obviously when Becky Lynch left, pardon me, and then Bailey was out injured, there wasn't someone like a Ronda Rousey to plug that gap. Someone so big and so so well publicised and so well uh, gets coverage for the mainstream media and all that that the women's division has suffered so I think with the return of Becky in the summer and now Ronda Rousey that really is key for the women's division I think going forward mm-hmm. Yeah it does feel like, like there's money left on the table with uh, a Becky Ronda like one on one rematch because I know a lot of people weren't happy with the, the insertion of Charlotte probably because, I'll say, Becky was never meant to be in the first place. If Vince had his way, it would just have been Ronda v. Charlotte in yeah. the main event. Like, their hand-picked like, star of the women's division versus the woman who's bringing them all this mainstream attention. Uh, well, that would have been their idea. So, and plus, I'll say, the, uh, the whole thing of Ronda accidentally getting her shoulder up and a lot of people, for them, it took away the finish of, of that moment. So, there is, like, like my left on the table for like, a one-on-one rematch with Becky getting that definitive win over Ronda. And I think WWE have wanted to bring her back for a while. I think the pandemic, if had had that not happened, she would have already made her return. And I think with her and Asuka and the potential of you know, of Bailey, I think well, uh, there's very few people in the Raw, and there's very few people in the Men's Rumble, other than maybe Big E or maybe a somewhat surprise winning it. I think all the, uh, the intrigue on who will actually win the Women's Rumble is all settled into the people who haven't been confirmed yet, because there's a lot more vacant spots in the uh, the women's rumble, not thanks in large part to the releases over the last year. So I think if Ronda does show up, 
it's probably going to be number 30 and if she showed up with the this kind of return and I think the the key match is going to be her v Becky I think if she returns at the Rumble she's definitely winning it I think um, I think we might be able to tell with the placement of the Rumble uh, the Women's Rumble hasn't been the main event since the first edition uh, and that was because it was going to be it, like people said, oh, it was because of the occasion. It, it wasn't because it was first ever. It was because Ronda Rousey was debuting. Ronda Rousey as a mainstream star to WWE was bigger than uh, than a than a women's Royal Rumble match. It, it might not sit well with people, but that's the way it is. It's it's more exposure than just saying, oh, by the way, you know that Royal Rumble we have, we've got a women's one now. Um, so. That I think if that's the main event on Sunday, Saturday, sorry, I think Ronda Rousey's coming back. And yeah, to me, I don't think you can you can bring her back in the Rumble and not have her win. Because other than her, or Asuka, or even Bailey, I think out of the three, like Asuka, it'd be great to see her back. But I think Bailey or Ronda on the return would be more likely to win the Rumble, even though it'd be great to see Asuka back. But I think the two key parts of the the women's Rumble, which has more intrigue, is basically. Who are who's going to fill the extra spots? Is the other room? Are these rumors true about the returns? And the other side is, please God, not Charlotte, because she's done obviously a Brock from 2020 and entered herself in the women's rumble. Uh, feel feel free not to give her as many eliminations as Brock got that year. Uh, and I think it's the intrigue of like similar to who eliminates Brock to set up the match. Like whoever eliminates Charlotte, even if they don't win the rumble, faces Charlotte Mania and they teased her. And Lita having a segment on SmackDown, which is actually you know making the most of somebody coming back rather than your your summer days or your Michelle McCool just coming back like, oh I meant them. I think Charlotte will get the Brock Lesnar treatment as you you said. Please don't give her as many eliminations. <laughs> um, and I think whoever eliminates Charlotte, as you said, there will be that intrigue um, over like oh my god, it, it, like it's her how how. how you know, how are they going to set this up? You know, because we saw the Drew thing for then on, we knew he was going to win. We don't have to have this person who eliminates Charlotte win. We could always have someone for the Raw side win. And this person doesn't even need to be for SmackDown. She can just go over to SmackDown to challenge Charlotte because it's like, I would have won that if I, if you didn't cheat or run back in to eliminate me. Mm-hmm. Um, could that maybe be Asuka then? You know, we, we talked about, uh, you talked about Bailey, who's been rumoured, we've talked about her before on Central, and we talked about Rousey, possibly the most likely candidates to win. Maybe not a win, but a loss via shenanigans to Charlotte Flair to maybe set up a rematch of their match at WrestleMania 34, because Asuka's never won at WrestleMania. Yeah. Asuka, Asuka's career started to decline a little bit, upon losing to Charlotte. She then got robbed the next year because Charlotte took her SmackDown women's title from her. So, you know, I, I know they did a match on Raw where Asuka eventually beat Charlotte, but it's not like WWE just to forget stuff before or like had maybe Charlotte Flair say, you can't beat me on the biggest stage because the biggest stage is where it counts or just like completely ignore that victory. Yeah. So do you think maybe Asuka could be an opponent for Charlotte going forward? I definitely like that. I think, you know, I was actually wanting, like last year, I was so when Becky went there, I was hoping it'd be her and 
her versus Bronda in a singles match, I think you could have easily done Charlotte Asuka too. And when Asuka was the SmackDown Women's Champion, and you know, she I think she needs that definitive win because for a lot of people, that's where things started to kind of go downhill for Asuka. Even though she did a great job of like being the main woman on Raw during the like the pandemic era when Becky Lepper was still a big spot to kind of fill and she did her best with it. But also Sasha for a lot of us seemed to be a favourite going into the women's rumble then now she's injured. So I feel like with those injuries and also the notable lack of like women on the main roster, it feels like WWE are throwing everything at this women's rumble to try and create some injury. Like put Charlotte in it despite being the champion, maybe bring back Ronda, Asuka, Bailey, whoever you can you can get Lita, Michelle McCool, and all those kind of people. I would like to see be Asuka or Bailey because yeah, Asuka needs to get that kind of definitely needs to get that win back because you know she got that win like during the pandemic year. It still didn't it didn't really feel like it meant much when she beat finally beat Charlotte because it was on a random episode of Raw. And then Charlotte buggered off for her, and then when she came back, they randomly won the tag belts together. Uh, but I think it would also help Bailey if Bailey came. I mean, as much as she has been as a heel. Like her, anybody will be a face against Charlotte. And you know, I remember when Be- when Bailey won the Raw Women's Title face Charlotte. But the whole story was, oh, Sasha helped you. And so, even when she got a win over Charlotte, it felt like overshadowed because, like whoever wins, whoever like, eliminates Charlotte is going to be seen as the biggest face because, right, since especially since Sasha, it feels like everything in the SmackDown Women's Division is around Charlotte and it's suffered yeah. as a result. Like yeah. all the other stuff you've got is a. Uh, Ali and Natalia fighting over Guinness World Records or some shit. <laughs> yeah, I suffered overall. I think that is the tricky thing with Charlotte. Um, like Ryan's discussed this on the show before. Like Charlotte is an elite level competitor who shouldn't be in non-title feuds. But the problem with that is that only people on her level or people that fans can get behind seem like credible threats to her and that's why the like of uh, I'm not saying people weren't behind Tony Storm but people didn't believe Tony Storm was going to beat her um, the likes of Aaliyah and Natalia on Smackdown I don't believe any of them are going to beat Charlotte uh, Naomi's got this whole thing this absolute dog shit storyline with uh, Sonya Deville of it oh I'm I'm the authority so I can fuck you over and crap like that but you uh, the SmackDown women's division has suffered, as you mentioned, so it'll be good to possibly see the likes of Ronda Rousey and Asuka back. Um, we we'll need to jump over to AEW uh, for possibly another Royal Rumble rumour because the ladder match between Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon, sorry, um, the ladder <laughs> match between Cody Rhodes and we get... the. Tony Khan's like Seth MacFarlane. Like we get it, Seth. You grew up in the eighties. We get it, Tony. You watched wrestling in the nineties. <laughs> um, the ladder match between Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes for the undisputed uh, TNT Championship. Great match. Like I'm sure everyone's already seen it by now. The the car spot mm-hmm. uh, from the top of the ladder. Absolutely incredible. Uh, Corey Rhodes cut a promo after the match uh, saying, I'm working here on a handshake deal. I don't have a contract. Um, I sometimes think when people bring up contract situations, it's already like, 
like the contract situation is already resolved itself. You know what I mean? Like they've decided what they're doing. Uh, Cody Rhodes is now going to be in everyone's lips for the Royal Rumble. Scott, is there a chance in hell that Cody Rhodes shows up at the Royal Rumble? Absolutely fucking not. Okay, that's nice. We'll, we'll finish up there. Um, so, no, <laughs> really. yourself, have you saw the full match or have you just saw the clips online? No, I just saw like, a little bit to be like, I've seen the fact, I've seen the, the spot with the cutter, which I think is the main takeaway from it. And, you know, it's fair to sign for putting that together because even Jeff Hardy, like, sometimes stumbled with his like, key spots or like the ladder wobbled a wee bit. But, but Sammy did that as smoothly as anybody could do. Like, made it look easy, even though none of us could probably attempt that. And mm-hmm. I don't really know what the hell they're doing with Cody now because, like, I, I don't, I still don't like him. But the last couple of months, like, when he, especially when he challenged uh, Sammy for the title on Christmas Day of all days uh, for the title, it felt like, okay, they're leaning into this, like, they're acknowledging that they don't like him. But he's turning heel and he's going to use the TNT to get there. And then he, I know the, this probably wasn't what they were going for, the whole interim thing, but they kind of stumbled into it. But then he loses the belt back to, to Sammy and Sammy taking photos with both belts around his waist, which I liked. But, uh, so then he loses it back to Sammy. Uh, then he's got this very face-like promo on that thing where he acknowledges his contract and everything. And given the whole like breaking the throne on the first AEW pay-per-view, like, I think Cody's well and truly happily burned his bridges with WWE and there's no way he's, he's going back. And even just for one night, but then also the week before, he was talking about how all the things that Punk wanted to do after the paint. Well, I did them and he even threw in the light. I could do without the line that he threw in there. Like, oh, you want to know why I won't turn here? Like, come on, he fucked up. That's like 2000s Russo-esque promo writing that as like, yeah. like, oh, what a sword. This wasn't on the script. Like, <laughs> oh. I know, it's... I, 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 I do cringe a bit when they talk about the like it's it's nice to talk about on these shows and it's nice to talk like see online and read up and to, you know discuss with friends like oh my god you see like this person might be leaving or that guy's rumored to sign with this company and you know it's it's fun and all that but see when they start doing it on the TV mm-hmm. you're like right I'm I'm lost a bit here like yeah I'm, like, I'm no like, for this like MJF he te- keeps teasing the my contract runs out in 2024, maybe I'll go somewhere else. And we all know, even if WWE's quality improves by then, that he he's not going to go, but they're going to draw that out for a storyline for all it's worth. And then they'll get the mohi about it when he eventually re-signs it. I'm not actually leaving. Boo. <laughs> I know it's... It, it, it takes you out of it, it really does. But... Um, we also saw the Cleveland street fight between, is, it, is that what it was called, the Cleveland street fight? For what, who? For Adam Cole and Orange Cassidy. Oh, it was a lights out match. Oh, it was a lights out match, so I thought it was a Cleveland street fight. Um, lights out match and the debut of Danhausen. Um, yeah, it's, I, I know nothing about Danhausen. I know he is slightly popular on the internet. Uh, I know he has a very good, very evil catchphrase, uh, or very, insert thing here, very evil catchphrase. I've never actually seen him wrestle a match, so I don't know if he's just one of these internet parody, like, sort of, like, Yano. I'm sorry, Yano is shit. Um, <laughs> and it's just like, well, he's so funny. Like, no, he's not. 
<laughs> or if he is an actual, if he's like an Orange Cassidy, where it's like his gimmick's kind of funny, but he can go with the best of them when the bell rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I hope he's more of an Orange Cassidy because there were a lot of people who didn't think Orange Cassidy's gimmick would work on a week-to-week basis. But I think he's he's proved his longevity, and yeah, I've I've seen a lot of Dan House stuff online. Never actually seen any of his matches because. Uh, uh, there's always already so much wrestling. Then he got injured fairly like recently, like not long before the whole Ring of Honor shutdown, because he was briefly contracted over there. I think he tried to do a thing where he tried to be, form a tag team with PCO over there, which I'm sure was funny. But yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of waiting to see what happens. I think it was just the way that they did it. Like Adam Cole went to pull at a table, and Dan Housen was lying on it. He kind of just gave him the orange cast of thumbs up, and then just buggers off. And the gold they're just laughing at it. It's like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, I, again, I, I couldn't comment on his in-ring ability or anything like that. I just, well, I've never seen him wrestle. I just know he's one of these sort of meme-worthy people. Did he, did he not have a match with um, Cody Rhodes I, for the TNT title? Or was that, that no, was Warhorse, wasn't it? Warhorse, yeah. All right, well, fair enough. Um, yeah, so <laughs> couldn't really tell you about that. Um, but what about the match itself? I uh, saw the sort of Squid Game-esque uh, throw from the top of the stage when Orange Cassidy hugs Adam Cole and dives with both of them off the stage. Um, have you saw any of the match? What did you think of it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen like, that fall and everything. And, uh, I think it's like, one of Adam Cole's, like, old, I think it's maybe his first like singles loss. Since he came to AEW, he's won a lot. and He's lost some tag matches, like the one at Full Gear. I think it's his first singles loss. But he's still number one ranked uh, overall in the men's singles division. So that's quite interesting. And bring off to Orange Cassidy because he's somebody that's seen tie on, but then like there's only so far you can push him with this character because he's got his world title shots. But then there are periods like after he's had major feuds where he does nothing. So I think he could have benefited from this feud like from winning this like match uh, than Adam Cole because Adam Cole really won or lost this match he's still going to be popular no, he's, all, he's Adam Cole so he's always going to have that air of like being over with the fans especially with this whole storyline with the Bucks and O'Reilly and Fish and now they've added Burt Baker to the group and I feel bad for Chris Statlander because obviously they had that mixed tag match the week or so before Statlander and Cassidy v Burt Baker and Cole I thought well, this would be this would be the time where it would make sense to give Statlander a, a title shot at the next pay per view, and not when you did it all out because oh, who else is available? Uh, Statlander, you fight Brett Baker at the pay per view. <laughs> yeah, the, obviously things never quite worked out there because Adam Cole was still in NXT at that time. But um, they also taped uh, no spoilers, but they taped multiple matches. Uh, for the Beach Break Rampage uh, this coming Friday. Uh, Jurassic Express with Christian are taking on Private Party, managed by Matt Hardy. They also have the AAA uh, Tag Team Champions, uh, FTR taking on... Is, who's it, who is it they're taking on? Uh, Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson, managed by Arn Anderson, because nepotism works, kids. <laughs> Tully Blanchard in the corner of FTR. So two former four horsemen... Uh, Putting their teams against each other. Uh, announced for the week after the F uh, the FTW world title was going to be on the line. Uh, Ricky Starks defending 
against uh, Jay Lethal. So Rampage for the next few weeks looks like a, a must-watch for tag uh, for tag title matches and for the FTW World Championship match. I, um, think, I think they've also taped for the uh, Beach Fate Rampage. I think uh, there's another TBS title match happening. Uh, yeah, Jade, Jade Cargill. Cargill. Yeah, Jade mm-hmm. versus Jade Cargill defending against Julia Hart uh, after defending against uh, Anna Jay Luffy, which I think is quite funny because uh, on Dynamite on TBS they had a match for the undisputed TNT title, and now both matches after this Friday, both matches for uh, the TBS title were both being defended on Rampage, which is still on TNT. <laughs> There you go. Um, so, moving away from AEW to some WWE WrestleMania plans, uh, there are plans for NXT take or not takeover, but the NXT WrestleMania weekend uh, special to be the same day as Mania Night One. NXT will take place during the day, and Mania Night One obviously taking place at night. Um, Scott, I've said that. You know, last year with the two nights of Stand and Deliver and then the WrestleMania SmackDown and then the two nights of WrestleMania by the main event of WrestleMania, I was gubbed. Like, I I watched it, like, sitting up upright. I, I couldn't sit back on the couch, otherwise I was going to fall asleep. Not because of the match, just because I was absolutely shattered. Yeah. So if they're going to have, and you know yourself, the day of WrestleMania, you're excited, you're waiting. The only thing you want to watch is WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. If NXT is the same day, and if it's on at a normal time for us UK fans, then I am absolutely delighted. <laughs> From what I've been reading up, apparently the plan is obviously Raw on the Monday, SmackDown. I think they said about, oh, the fans will come, well, you can get a Raw, SmackDown, NXT, Hall of Fame, WrestleMania. They haven't said if it's the Raw after me that's included, or if it's the Raw beforehand that's also going to be in Dallas, but I'm assuming it's the Raw after me they're talking about. So I think it's SmackDown uh, on the Friday in Dallas. Apparently, as soon as that's finished on uh, Fox, right after on the U- on Peacock or the network, the Hall of Fame is going to happen. I assume a pre-recorded edited version. Uh, and then the Saturday, Stand and Deliver, they're planning on using that name again, and they've already announced that Vengeance Day is coming back. So I think they're trying to, with that along with Wargan, they're trying to like set like like names that are in these specials for NXT, and they're called Deagles, like, but have recognisable names they can reuse like across the years rather than change the name every so often with a new name but mm. the plan i think the plan was like stand and deliver just being one night and given also the cheap bike major changes in NXT, it's probably for the best but they, they described it as a matinee performance however being early in the day and this what i heard noon us time i don't know if that's eastern or pacific time or different coast of america but that would basically mean that stand and deliver for us on the day one of wrestlemania would basically be like the same as like the Saudi shows are UK time. So you can eat your dinner, watch NXT, you know, do some other things, try watch some things that aren't wrestling before settling for another mammoth showing of wrestling in the evening with WrestleMania yeah. night one. Well, uh, the UK is six hours ahead of Texas, so if it's twelve o'clock, it'll be six PM our time. And that also means so say that's what a two and a half hour show done for half eight and then WrestleMania starts at twelve the pre show. You know, I'm 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 fine with that. Yeah, it's annoying because like there are some like during weeks like that, you got all this spare time to watch stuff, and it's like you try to find other stuff to watch. But the thing you're also thinking is like try to find something non-wrestling to watch because if I watch wrestling while waiting for WrestleMania and then watch like three hours of WrestleMania, then I have to watch it again tomorrow night. 
by the start by the Monday of the following week, you'll be like, I don't even know if I fucking like wrestling anymore. I'm burnt out now. <laughs> Something I've noticed, um, and it, it comes up in the, the group chat, um, Raw after Mania, people used to like sit up and watch some of it and talk and see who's going to debut. And now that we've got these two, three, last year it was what? Two days, one, two days. Yeah, so by the time Raw came around, that was day six of the WrestleMania week. Like, people don't bother staying up for it anymore. People just, like, the chat is dead. Everyone is in their bed for nine o'clock because they've had to go to work the next day after WrestleMania. They are absolutely shattered. Um, so, yeah, one, like, one less, like, you can watch SmackDown on, you know, the Sunday before WrestleMania. It fills some time and you've got NXT before WrestleMania night one, you know what I mean? You, it, it's a lot more condensed this year. Yeah, and plus, like, the issue with staying up now is that over the years with the Raw to WrestleManias that we've had, your conditions for a certain amount of shocks or surprise debuts or things that happen. And the issue with staying up is that, obviously, something big may happen at the start of the show and then you go through a period of a couple of matches, couple of days, like, you know that, but surely something big's going to happen at the end of the first hour and then something happens that you, just before you, you wanted to go to bed, so like, I'll stay up, and then you watch a bit more, and like nothing's happening. Oh, then something happened. Like, like the surprises are now too spaced out across the three hours. So staying up for that after you've been staying up early in the week for, for WrestleMania, like fuck, it's easier for me to watch it the next day because you can fast forward through the bits that they just throw in. Because again, they've not learned the fact that three hours is hard to fill every week. Yeah, I think the past few years they have gotten away with. Um not really not not really doing anything big for Raw After Mania um, simply because there's not been any fans the past two years so you know it's kind of um, it's kind of lost its appeal but I think this year if there's going to be fans then they're not going to be able to get away with that, they're going to have to have people coming back from injury and people coming back from um, you know, people, new signings and uh, call-ups from NXT, etc, etc so, yeah I'm looking forward to Raw After Mania this year but I will be watching it on the Tuesday <laughs> Yeah, I think there's going to be a certain like, I think there's going to be a certain standard for this Raw After Mania in particular because obviously 2020, you're going to understand why it was crap because no fans I mean, you could have hoped they would have done it slightly better, even if it was just the Thunderdome, uh, for like what they could pull out in the Raw to me in twenty twenty one. But I think now that they're gonna have like a full on crowd for the first time in a, in three years for the Raw after WrestleMania, you'd hope they'd like pull something like worth talking about out. Yeah, I know that that's the thing. Like it is, it's something. Uh... It's something worth talking about. That that's the thing you want. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm just looking. WWE fans have got the hashtag Free Ali trending after WWE rejected his release request. Uh, Staff Ali publicly requested his release uh, from WWE back in January 16th after not being used in WWE programming since late October. Reported days later that despite many roster cuts WWE made over the past few years. The company would not grant Ali his release. Since then, fans have started posting the hashtag Free Ali in support of the SmackDown star to the point it started beginning. It was trending on Sunday night. <laughs> uh, on top of this, WWE fans, here's one for you. WWE fans started noting that WWE fo on Fox Twitter 
began blocking people for using this hashtag. This led to Ali breaking his silence by publicly blocking the account in return. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's not it's something we've seen before with these, like, they blocked, like, Neville from leaving and the like Brody Lee from leaving and people like that, but like, and like, given that the past year, like, you've released an entire new promotions worth of talent just on a whim, like, even though some of them were just saying new deals or were in the middle of storylines. But one guy you've got doing absolutely fuck all probably says, Please let me go, I'm not doing what I want to do, I'm not doing anything for you, let me go. And they basically did the whole Bohemian Rhapsody, we will not let you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, it, it it baffles me. Like, so I, I saw the thing about um, AEW don't want to release people. They they want to just let their their contracts run down. Which I, I think you know, no one's going to have a go at you for releasing, say, three or four people. If you go look, we're, we're not. So we're going to let those guys go and you know try and make a living elsewhere. But WWE, they've already had heat for releasing people. Do you think when someone goes, look, I want to go, you know, you think they'd let them go rather than just keep them? You know, they did this with um, Luke Harper. They did it with uh, Rey Mysterio uh, when he first left the company. They just kept adding these guys on and they, they keep just... They, they keep adding, you know, oh, well, you were injured, so we can we can uh, keep you an extra six months. You know, it just, it robs the fans of, it robs the fans of a great competitor. You know, we didn't get to see much of Brody Lee on the Indies. We didn't get to see much. Look, we, we were robbed of nearly two years of Rey Mysterio while he sat out his contract. Neville, um now known as Pac, we we lost a year of him. You know, it's just I, I just don't understand the logic behind it when WWE are releasing people at the drop of a hat because they're on too much money. Is this just a case of well, no, you want to be released, so no, we we don't no, we're not going to do that. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it's just so petty. But they clearly don't see anything. I don't know because like I think there was the whole thing of him. You know, pitching this gimmick of like the all pseudo American kind of thing where almost like the political character we can kind of take shots at like the issues in America today, like but through a new lens and WWE rejected it and then they said the reports were they pitched him a character that people close to Ali knew he would never do, which I don't know if it this was your ball if you assumed that it was some sort of like foreign heel kind of gimmick, but I don't think it was that, but it was clearly something that he wasn't interested in. So clearly you can't agree on what character you want him to portray. You clearly don't see anything in them. And yet, there's other people that you, you said, like, yeah, they didn't want to be released, but you let them go because they, like, we decide whether or not you have value or whether or not you're worthy of staying on with us. But now, you, because you've publicly asked for it, we're going to keep you on just out of, it's, it's out of spite and pettiness, really, you think about it. And it wouldn't really happen in any other field, any other job, would it? Like, you wouldn't, like, hand in your, like, your two weeks' notice or however weeks' notice in your job and you're worth it. Actually, I mean, you took those extra couple of weeks to set leave like two years ago, so we're actually keeping you on. No, I think you'll be surprised. Um, a lot of a lot of um, jobs start getting a bit snippy when you see if you turn around and say, like, you know, say, say you get the call for your dream job and they say, by the way, the only catch is you need to start Monday. 
you went to hand in like at say a week's notice and be like, look guys, I'm not going to resign, but I want to be civil and I want to start the I need to start this new job. Some places go, well, actually, no, it's a two-week notice. Or some people go, well, actually, because you've worked here X amount of time, it's four weeks notice, or we need this amount of time. Like, like it's it's just I mean, me and Ali are very similar. I wanted my release from the co-op. Oh, and I know I know my, my brother Ali is reaching out, listening to this story right now, hands across the ocean and all that. <laughs> I would no, but generally like they, they will say to people even even when it's not true, because like if you're on a temporary contract, you can turn around and say, I want to leave, like and I'm going to leave, and you can leave at any time without any notice period. But people will still try to turn around and go, I ain't give four weeks' notice. No, I fucking don't. <laughs> Anyway, that was that was just master. I feel your pain, Ali. Don't worry. That that co-op discount was good, but it wasn't that good. You find your passion elsewhere, Ali. There are no words to describe how much of a twat you sound. <laughs> uh, well, we talked about um, Ali not getting his release. Nick Can, the man who tends to grant all these releases, uh, says WWE aren't actively trying to sell or looking to sell. This is. Um, this comes after many people uh, were were commenting on the fact that WWE were were saving money and like cutting cutting budgets here, there, and everywhere. Um, I, I I didn't think any. Anyway, I just thought it was a bloated roster. They want to just cut down and they want to try. Like they will make plays for people they released on lesser contracts soon enough when the sort of dies down. But yeah. Um, he says they aren't looking to sell. I I never believed that for a minute. You know, there's all this talk of Fox wants to buy it and Disney wants to buy it and WWE are shopping for a buy. I think they'd shop for a, an investor, but never never a major investor because we all know Vince McMahon's a control freak. He doesn't let his own children take over. How's he going to be when someone else comes in? Yeah, like there's been stories of Vince like hiring people like back in the 90s like people who have wrestling backgrounds to take over the booking like while he runs the overall business and then then people only last in a few weeks because the things they want to implement they're no the changes are too drastic and vince can't relieve control like even in ages now i don't think he'd have the best time like relieving control i mean we say he doesn't let like other people like take over that he does seem to like bend over to the whims of the networks like USA and Fox so more often than not when uh or like making the deals with Netflix and everything so I think if they work reached out if people like Fox or Disney for like a control and like share or a big share in WWE they they want to implement some things they need work with that but I don't think Vince WWE while Vince is still alive would ever fully hand be handed over to somebody else I think that would be a decision made by people like Nick Khan and the members of the McMahon family after Vince has passed to move them over there and also Disney because they seem to buy fucking everything is the name that keeps <laughs> popping up and then there was the story we saw here in the group chat that in Indonesia the WWE network rights have been just acquired by Disney so if you live in Indonesia you can get WWE network on Disney plus coming soon and uh, I would say I wouldn't mind if that happened over here because I'm sure uh, with Disney plus it would be much easier than our, the shit I've heard about the horror stories of American fans and their issues with trying to watch you know, premium live events as they're called now, live on Peacock. Even the even the WWE Network here, 
trying to fast forward and rewind. Like I, like I, I fell asleep watching uh, watching a pay per view, turned it off, went to my bed the next day, tried to rewind it, and it just kept going. Oh well, the WWE Network's not available right now, <laughs> and I ended up just giving up and just watching from that point. I was just like, you know, I can, I can restart it and fast forward, but it's clearly not letting me. You know, rewind. It was pissing me off something awful. So even the even the WWE Network here, the user interface is absolutely pish. Like it's absolute shit. You can you can feel bad for Americans. Like we got to put up with Heathrow, and yet people internationally get to use on Disney Plus, which I'm sure many of them have anyway. But I do like the idea of like if WWE Network was officially on like Disney Plus, like over here, the idea that the new Wednesday Night Wars is AEW versus whatever the new Marvel or Star Wars thing they're recently weekly on a Wednesday. <laughs> Bob, the book of Boba Fett going up against AEW Dynamite. Um, so like Oscar Isaac, Midnight, they show, they beat AEW and the key demos between 18, <laughs> ages 18 to 49 or whatever it is. Uh, so, Can did speak with John Outrand of the Sports Business Journal this week and he was asked about the theory that WWE is trying to sell. He says... Uh, Outrand wrote, Can said the company has taken some inbound calls from companies looking to buy, but then he stressed WWE is not in active conversations of trying to sell the company and not actively looking to sell. So essentially they're looking for investment, but they're not looking for controlling stakes to go out there. Uh, he also wrote, uh, so Can said regarding why McMahon hired him, if it was once a mum and pop shop, Vince doesn't believe that anymore. Part of what I believe he was looking for and bring someone from the outside was to make sure the community at large didn't treat it that way. We believe we're a global content company. That is a fair point. Um, Nick Cannon has actually been backed quite a bit by The Rock for his um, for his, his business uh, acumen. And I think Nick Cannon tends to be the... He's the, like, the John Laurinaitis. He's the, um, he's the guy that basically... You know, John Laurinaitis in the 2000s was always the guy um, who had to phone people up and say, look, mate, it's not like, look, kid, sorry about that. Buster, look at your future endeavours. Um, now it seems to be, it's, oh, it's Nick Khan that, yeah, to me, it's it's Vince McMahon that lets people go. We, we talked about how he doesn't like uh, relinquishing control or to write and stuff. How is he going to be with actual like superstars? You know what I mean? If Vince doesn't want them in the roster, that's why they've gone. Nick Khan's just the one that's had to deliver the bad news, I think. Yeah, definitely. But again, I think someone like, like I think there have been people who talk about that, like talent relations. People usually are the ones that cut a lot of people, like what John Laurinaitis had, and like people like Jr. and Bruce Prichard briefly had to fill those roles, and they said like how hard it was because basically you become the poster guy for bad news, which gets you a lot of heat when when it's not you who's making the decision. Yeah. Uh, like again, like, it's still hard for me to think of like somebody, like anybody buying WWE from like Vince, because I feel like that would go the same way. Like when Vi- in that episode of The Simpsons where Mr. Burns sells the plant to a group of Germans and then comes back <laughs> his hands and knees a few weeks later, saying, "Please buy it back," and then they want to sell it to him. He goes, "But Mr. McMahon, this is half of what we paid you. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it." <laughs> uh, sort of a real life thing of what he done. Uh, when he bought, quote-unquote, raw back from Donald Trump. <laughs> um, so I, the next I, mean, I mean, imagine giving something as, you know, majorly control or something even more, you know, 
and you could control something more important than Raw or something like that to someone like Donald Trump. I mean, nobody would be that stupid, would they? No, only in America. Um, so America. I'm going to leave this next story to you because you're the New Japan superfan man. Uh, who... well, apparently, well, apparently not. I'm the guy who people ask about New Japan when Grant's not available. It seems that <laughs> Grant's on the same show. I get fucking packed. No one wants to hear my opinions. <laughs> uh, so, Scott's issues aside, <laughs> New Japan has discussed running a joint Tokyo Dome show with AEW. Scott, I'll let you uh, fantasy book this one and uh, maybe put some dream matches forward you'd like to see. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested to see like if this happens because we did see if see like the US title New Japan defended on AWTV before the pandemic when Jericho was still AEW champion, he appeared at Risk Kingdom 15 to fight Tanahashi and they did tease a rematch which unfortunately never came and I think part of the thing with New Japan is they were more open this year than earlier to open with to work with other companies and do cross promotion like they did the third night of Risk Kingdom was built around them versus Pro Wrestling Noah and the fact that it's their 50th year so they're celebrating that by doing as much with other companies as they can. I think this thing with AEW, like, I wouldn't know, I wouldn't put it past them. They actually run a show like this by the end of this, by the end of this year. And, you know, it'd be good to create cross promotion between the two companies. And, you know, I'd be a lot more willing to pay an extra money that I had to more so than bloody the pro with the no show. Because me and Grant delayed our risking review because we got told, oh, basically if you, you can pay an extra on pay-per-view for this, to watch live this New Japan V Pro Wrestling Noah show. Or you can wait a week and watch the slightly edited version of it on New Japan World a week later. We chose the, the latter because apparently if you watch it live, most of the people's music got muted due to copyright issues. So I think we got the best option there. But yeah, like uh, I'm trying to think who I want to see. Like also Kenny getting to see Omega and the Bucks mix it up with some of the little rivals from New Japan, get to see like AEW is known for factions and so is New Japan, so getting some of those factions mixed up and you show the other circle what actual factions like. God knows how they won faction in the year 2021, I'll never know. <laughs> um, so yeah, possible possible forbidden door action there. Um, we've not seen a lot of New Japan people since around about October time really. Um, around about the time the Impact deal uh, ran out as well with uh, AEW, so be interesting to see some clashes of styles again. Um, I think I think two matches I'd really like to see is basically Daniel Bryan versus just about anyone on that roster because he got that match with Suzuki on that rampage buy in, but like to him just about with just about anyone because also the whole thing of him choosing AEW or WWE was the relationship with New Japan. But obviously, uh, the one I really want to see is Punk versus Kenta. With the you know the battle of the GTS because uh, MJF did the the Kenta pose on CM Punk's chest where they cross leg and sat on him and then you had Kenta tweet out photos of times he's done and said don't tease me hashtag AEW Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Um, so GCW at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Um, let's talk first about. Um, one of the matches that was uh, rescheduled, uh, Jonathan Gresham couldn't um, couldn't compete. Uh, no reason was given why. I think it was COVID. Um, so Blake Christensen uh, defeated Leo Rush in a match that was meant to be very good. 
Um, and he's called on Ring of Honor to give him a replacement title match. But let's talk about the ECW television champion. Um, <laughs> the man who is facing impact and heel everywhere else. Matt Cardona. Um, th- this is... Th- this is the American equivalent of what Drew came back to Scotland and the UK to do to build himself back up. Matt Cardona was there. There was banners of... He's fully embraced being an ex-WWE guy. He's fully embraced being not a hardcore wrestler like GCW is, uh, is known for. He's fully embraced being a total prick, basically. And he's basically went on full David Campbell. And I... I liked that he had the if if Cardona wins we riot on his t-shirt. There was banners round about the same place where the John Cena banner was uh, saying if Cardona wins we riot. He had fuck Mick Foley on the back of a <laughs> of a sort of lumberjack uh, vest top. The nicest guy in pro wrestling and he had fuck Mick Foley on the back of his t-shirt. And he had the Sandman's cane Um so what a dick! What, a, what a, he's so good at the minute as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like the best he's been even since 2011 when he was like Z Trillian story and that push that he also wasn't meant to get, but he got anyway for a while. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed like see where like technically not the TV channel anymore because he won it in Detroit, being Rhino in his hometown. And uh, he said he's probably like Rhino, you're the last TV champion. And there's also this false narrative that you're the last ever ECW world champion. Everybody knows that Ezekiel Jackson is the last ever. <laughs> and the crowd went, <laughs> he went, give respect to Big Zeke. <laughs> and then he beats Rhino for the title. And then the very next day he says, because I know W you're going to give me a copyright claim. And then he, he, he had some scathing remarks on Paul Heyman. So I wrote to Paul Heyman talking about how desperate I was just to wrestle, just to get on TV. And then two days later I was fired. So fuck Paul Heyman. And he throws the belt in a bin. Uh, going, went full Medusa on that bill, and then yeah, I had this thing with it was uh, Joey Janelle. They did the whole eat four shots and forties of uh, Chelsea Green, like she was mine before she was yours kind of thing. <laughs> and some of the run-ins I've seen from this match, you had Swoggle and Brian Myers on uh, Cardona's side, and then Marco Stunt and X Pac of all people for helping Joey Janela. I think he got the biggest pop because. A lot of people don't know, in the same building as the Hammerstein Ballroom is the Manhattan Center, where mm-hmm. Raw used to be, and obviously he's very notable from that building because he was the one, debut as a one, two, three kid and everything, that's how his career took off. And So yeah, just one of the most overly, purposely overly booked matches, and it really made it all the better. And then, you know, on the same show, you randomly had Darkseid Jeff Jad dressed all in black fighting Effie on the same show. Like, GCW is just like, you know, they say anything, used to say anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. Right now, GCW is the place where anything happens. <laughs> uh, Brian Myers uh, speeding Janela through a table like Edge did to Cena at one night stand. Uh, had the motorcycle helmet and everything. Cordova put a photo for him and Myers from that show. And he says, uh, oh God, I'm so sad we got fired. We could be chasing the 24-7 title right now. <laughs> There was then, uh, as well, <laughs> uh, is it Mark Sterling, the lawyer? Yes, Mark, Mark Sterling, he's their, their yeah. fellow on, he's their, on their podcast. He called for Vince to help save 
uh, the internet title and out came a man in a Vince McMahon match, mask and it was Vincent, a.k.a. Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> because Virgil will do anything for 20 quid and a slice of pizza. I agree. It, it's the place where so much is happening right now. Uh, Jeff Jarrett defeated Effie. Uh, John Moxley defeating Homicide. And uh, well, we've not really spoken about this yet. A fuck Billy Ray chant to start the match. Hmm. I didn't know if you guys had talked about the Billy Ray thing last week, so I didn't put that in the notes that I sent earlier. But yeah, and they said quickly everyone turned on. My favourite take on that was Paige say, this is why everyone prefers Devon. <laughs> For those of you that don't know, um, Billy Ray said Moxley should have apologised for letting everyone down uh, when he went to alcohol rehab. Um, Billy Ray, who basically locked a fan in a locker room to give him a dressing down because he heckled um, Velvet Sky, but all of a sudden heckling John Moxley saying you're an alcoholic is, is apparently fair play according to Billy Ray. Uh, a rather warped view of the world has that fat man. Um, I, I'm, I'm surprised this because I remember hearing about it. I assumed that he said, oh, John should apologise to the fan that he shouted at, even though the fan shouted some shit at him before he could start his promo, but then no, then he said it was like apologize to our fans, he obviously bought tickets, but then he wasn't there because he had to go and get help. And yeah, really shady. And then like he does it's a elongated version of what he said on like Busted Dome Radio and he's just crazy like, you know, a lot of people have their demons and he lists some people and he and includes in that list Tommy Dreamer and his issues with food. Like Tommy Dreamer being a fat bastard is nothing is not remotely comparable to what John Moxley is going through here. Like I know people used to take the piss about how, oh yeah, everyone likes Diva. Even like a few years ago, Big Show was on, Busted Over Me, and goes like, yeah, every time I, saw, I see Diva, I'm like, hi, nice Dudley. Like, yeah, clearly everyone was right what they said over the years. Like, Diva's a nice guy and fuck Billy Ray. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very much. <laughs> Very much. Um, we, we talked about uh, some WWE news earlier about how uh, you talked about the, the nightmares that Peacock had. Mm-hmm. Um, not going... Uh, not going great, Peacock announced their 2021 uh, losses grew to... Oh, apparently I've been redirected in my article. No, I'm back. Peacock lo- uh, loss grows to $1.7 billion in 2021 as Comcast quarter four tops expectations. Uh, revenue for the NBCU streaming service hit $778 million, uh, with $9 million paying subscribers, but is still running at a loss. Yeah, and I think David Campbell was one of the people talking about this at the time, but like, they were coming into a very crowded like, market, like all these companies trying to get their own scrutiny. That was when you got the big cars, like Disney Plus became big in a short amount of time. You got like Prime Video, Netflix, people like that. And it was very difficult for them. And it didn't help Peacock, I don't think, when really their big advertising campaign for, for 3G Get It was we had the network and you can also rewatch all of The Office. That seemed to be the big focus on all their adverts. I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff available on Peacock, but and you can probably get in the UK, but I've not really had the need to watch it. But like basically, the whole advertising campaign was like, do you like The Office? Do you like wrestling? We've got both of them. And if your answer to both of those questions was no, then you're not exactly going to be really rushing out to pay your pay some extra money per month to get Peacock. Well, it looks like um, it says Comcast expects Peacock losses to total 
about 2.5 billion as its investment content for 2022 is going to double. Uh, so they're going to invest more. So it's essentially going to have to spend money, make money. Yeah, you're right. At the start, it was very, do you like wrestling? Do you like The Office? Um, and yeah, it is a very crowded time for streaming services. You know, you've got things like, you know, in the UK, we've got the free streaming services of um, BBC iPlayer, 5OD, uh, STV Player, uh, and uh, 4OD. They have lots and lots of free content on it. You then get Netflix. I think Netflix is just the sort of, it was the first one everyone had. It's there. People people get it free with their phone contracts now, you know what I mean? So, like, everyone's always going to have Netflix. Netflix is always going to have subscribers. Amazon Prime, you know, you can get your free Amazon shopping if you have Amazon Prime. So, I think, again, another reason why people, you know, there's more than just TV there. There's, you know, everyone orders stuff from Amazon. Yeah. Uh, like, and the likes of Disney Plus, Disney Plus have the rights to all the Star Wars and all the Marvel stuff. So they can, you know, if they're running at a loss, they can just go, new Star Wars thing, new yeah, Star like, Wars thing, two months free, sign up now. You know what I mean? Like, it's they, these these ones are never going to be in trouble as much as Peacock. Your Peacock looked to be doubling down before backing out of the fight, but it's it's not even a, would you call it? It's not even a, a streaming site in the UK. It's like Sky with Peacock. And I, I looked at the Peacock section on the Sky TV player the other night. It, it is what you said. It's old episodes of The Office. It's old episodes of 30 Rock. There's not a lot of new content there. Like McGru the MacGruber film with the WWE wrestlers for like 2009 is listed under um, NBC Peacock. So essentially it is just a lot of old movies and essentially we have amazon prime disney plus and netflix for that yeah and what really helps disney is obviously before they were buying everything else they they got stuff through their own films and their own and to like pixar and everything so they got a massive back catalog on their own right and then they had to keep buying stuff like fox stuff and so anything that fox had the rights to like uh, the simpsons that seemingly never dies and all that stuff like everything that fox had they just keep throwing at you so basically you get a lot more collection on them than you do seemingly on Peacock. And yeah, I agree with you about Netflix. It's just like there now. Like For me, Netflix is like, oh, look, that film that I didn't see when it was out or that TV series, which I couldn't get, couldn't watch when it was out because it was in America and I, didn't, I couldn't find a link to watch it. That season's now been uploaded six months later to Netflix. I'll watch it in there. But yeah. that, I don't really, there's not a lot as much original like Netflix content, you know, that you watch now, like, the last, the last big thing Netflix think done was like Tiger King, and that's because we had all fuck, we all had fuck else, we all had fuck else. We didn't, we didn't have anywhere to go basically. Fucking hell, the pandemic lost lasted less time than that fucking sentence. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, moving from Peacock to NXT, NXT, we talked about their t uh, WrestleMania takeover taking place uh, the same day as WrestleMania. It looks like Vengeance Day is now lo no longer. Uh, a premium event on the network. It's going to be uh, live. Uh, it's going to be a live Tuesday special. Uh, Tuesday, the fifteenth of February, NXT Vengeance Day. Uh, we already know Cameron Grimes is going to take on Carmelo Hayes for the uh, let's see the United States for the North American title. Um, looks like we're either going to have some sort of three on two Legado versus 
uh, Braun and Champa, or we're going to have Braun versus uh, Santos Escobar for the NXT Championship on that show. Um, any other thoughts on what they might be building to? Maybe possibly a Kaylee Ray title match? Possibly, possibly, because I think they kind of rushed through Corey and Raquel Gonzalez who were the other two main challengers there. Uh, I think we're definitely going to get the uh, the Dusty Classic final on the classic the Dusty Classic final on uh, Vengeance Day, like the men's one at least. I don't know because like the women's one is about to start. It started like there's a couple weeks difference between them starting, and much like last year, I think there's going to be a smaller field for the women's one. So I don't know if they want to rush through that or maybe carry that over to Stand and Deliver for uh, for the women's Dusty Classic. I don't know. So so I think either the men's Dusty Classic final. Or even based on the last couple of weeks, Gunther versus uh, Roderick Strong, because they seem to be doing this Imperium Diamond Mine thing the last couple of weeks. But actually, the whole Santos Escobar thing, because he kind of got screwed out of winning the North American title when it looked like he was going to, and then just because Carmelo was the new guy, he got it. Santos kind of fell to the wayside, but I'm glad he's kind of moving into the NXT title scene, because I actually wouldn't mind seeing him mix up with Breaker and Champa. Yeah, I think he's. He's certainly a, a like a great wrestler. I, you know, we saw these cruiserweight title matches. He's a big match player. Um, sorry, I'm just forgetting. You, you talked about Roderick Strong there. Let's. Um, not a lot of people saw this, but <clears throat> WWE released a a, a, footage, a backstage footage from Raw where the Dirty Dogs are walking backstage and Dolph Ziggler gets into a stare down. It's like two seconds. He just. He gets he stares down Roderick Strong and Roderick Strong gives him a dirty look and just walks away. And then the dirty dogs are getting interviewed, and then all of a sudden Ellie Knight uh, walks past um and Dolph Ziggler says, What is this? Bring your kid to work day. Uh, tomorrow's superstars are on tomorrow's show. This is Monday Night Raw, the A show, uh, referencing Roddy Strong and Ellie Knight being backstage. Ellie Knight uh, offered out an invitation which was declined to come down to NXT and see how they do things. Uh, LA Knight, possible contender for the Rumble, maybe? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I want to see him in the Rumble. Like, because, you know, like he's one of the few people in NXT. Him and Rod Drone, I think they're two best candidates to show up at the the Rumble. Because, uh, well, I don't think they have much going on in NXT. They both feel like main roster kind of guys, like, especially since. Especially since I was like Roger Strong dropped the, the cruiserweight title and uh, LA Knight struck in this thing with Grayson Waller, who nobody seems to like. So they don't seem that much in, but plus he's felt like a uh, main roster guy since he arrived in NXT. So I it wouldn't make sense, and I think we get a strong enough pop from like the hardcore fans to so, like, oh, it's one of the few people in NXT we still like. But I was just having a quick Google there. By the way, they bring your kid to work day kind of thing. Because I was watching, I remember watching this, and like, because I saw the thumbnail the early night thing, and I wanted to see him interacting with some of the guys in the main roster. But then the a wild Roderick Strong appears. Nobody said like, "Oh, bring your kid to work day." Roderick Strong and Ellie Knight are like thirty-eight and thirty-nine respectively. Dolph Ziggler's forty-one and Robert's forty-five. Like, you're not that much older than them. Yeah, um, they were actually the dark match for SmackDown last week. Ellie Knight versus Roderick Strong. Uh, heard, sorry, the 22nd, sorry, they were the dark match there. Yeah, I heard actually it was a very good match. They went a bit nine minutes, early night one, and the fans were apparently very responsive to it. So 
hopefully things work out for those two a lot better than some other people who we've seen have dark matches and either got released and then or or called up because remember Bronson Reed actually did very well when he got brought up for his dark matches or his matches on main event and then Professor got let go. We talked about um, people that could be in the Rumble. You know, we mentioned LA Knight. Someone that LA Knight uh, reminds a lot of folk of is The Rock, the great one. Uh, apparently, he is not going to be. I don't think it's as much of a surprise to anyone. He's not. He's not going to be in the Royal Rumble. And more newsworthy is that he was never discussed for a 2022 Royal Rumble appearance. Um, the Rock was never scheduled, and the company made all Royal plan- Royal Rumble plans without even considering The Rock. Uh, he's never once discussed the uh, possibility of appearing, and any rumours of him appearing on January 29th uh, is false. Uh, we've, we've heard the story, obviously, Rock Roman Reigns is high on the WrestleMania dream match for WWE. Um, WWE will take him when he's available. If The Rock says, look, we're gonna, we can do this next year, I can't do it. This year, WWE aren't exactly going to turn their nose up at them, but it looks like much with Survivor Series, The Rock is just far too busy for a WWE return. Yeah, I mean, he's making pretty much every movie. It was a point he's appearing in almost every bloody franchise at the minute. You know, the fact that The Rock, you know, of all people too, is like DC over the MCU and every every actor working today has been snapped up by the MCU. The Rock still saying like, no, I'm making this Black Adam movie, God damn it. <laughs> and uh, I don't care how long it takes. And like, yeah, I think given especially this year that, that Black Adam's finally coming out in like July, it's planned to come out. So I think he's got his other priorities, but it probably makes sense more so for him to come out uh, to fight Roman next year because they are in Hollywood. And plus they've finally gotten like, a winning formula with this Brock Roman thing where people actually care about uh, these two fighting at WrestleMania, and so if they, even though it would be good to see him via the Rock, if they just suddenly said, oh, "I'll sweep this aside for now and focus on Roman and Rock," they would just make kind of Rock win the title from Big E seem even more pointless. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, so, last two stories here of the of the week uh, regarding Sami Zayn and. Uh, the Miz, the Miz uh, was recently on a podcast, and uh, he he compared, he, he mentioned the comparisons to MGF. He said, "I don't think he wants to be the next Miz. I think he wants to be the first him." And honestly, he's doing a great job of it. Twenty five year old. When I was twenty five year old, I was still in developmental and deep south wrestling, and still learning the trade. I wasn't putting on matches on national television and putting together memorable promos that people talk about. I wasn't doing that, so I applaud him. Very a very civil answer, you know. It's not a oh fuck you, you're the other guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he doesn't really bear any issue to MJF. I think he might even be somebody who like takes as a compliment to be compared to him. But again, obviously, MGF isn't trying to be like the Miz. I think people just see the comparison and, like, he's not doing what a lot of... He's not wrestling the typical indie style, but he's also good on the mic, which is similar to the Miz. Like, the only reason Miz was even brought up on AEW is because Punk, you can tell, is clearly still annoyed. Like, you may have entered a WrestleMania and I didn't. I know. That's one thing I really don't like about Punk. Like, yeah, I'm not there anymore. I don't want to talk about that. But then you can tell he just holds on to everything. He's one of those. <laughs> Remember me as I was, filled with murderous rage. <laughs> but yeah, 
Um, a, a lot of the comparisons come up, but yeah, I, I think they're just they're really good heels, and but they're very different style heels. Like they are, MGF's more shock value, whereas Miz will just annoy people. Just he, he's got that he's got that talent for just annoying people. Um, and you know what annoys me about Miz even more? Just the fact that you know he's a nice guy, but he's got this great life, and he's been a WWE champion and a WrestleMania main eventer. He's married to the French supermodel, and he's got. He's got a, a, a beautiful family and a massive mansion in the Hollywood Hills, and you're just that. That's what annoys me about Miz. That that's the most annoying thing. Like, you bastard! I want your life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving from the Miz to another agitator, uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, Sami Zayn confirmed he's re-signed with WWE and he's very happy working there. He's also said that not everyone who's in WWE is unhappy. Uh, he said, "I signed for a few more years, and I'm really happy." My contract was almost over and they were interested in me staying. I wanted to say so there was no more complication than that. It's not the first time I've said it, but I'm really happy with my role in the company in recent years, especially the last year, year and a half. I'm doing the best job of my career, especially in terms of character. I don't know why people were really surprised. They have this idea in their heads that everyone in WWE is unhappy uh, being there or unhappy in their role, uh, that they want more or they feel oppressed or I don't know what. For me, I'm really happy with my role. I can't wait to see uh, what I'm going to be able to do in the next few years. Of course, of course, every talent in the locker room, everyone always wants more. It's normal. Even Roman Reigns, who's the number one guy in our company. So it's everyone... I'll just scroll down here, hell of a quote. It's everyone. So I'm not going to say I'm 100% happy with what I have right now, but I do the best I can. But there are things I don't control 100%. But with everything that's happened in the last year, I'm really happy to stay here. I feel that the company has a confidence in me. They often use me in talking segments. I think I do a good job. And I find that, that the company recognises my work. And that's why I'm always in a storyline. Maybe that's why some talents weren't happy because they think they never had an opportunity. I really can't say that. I get lots of them and that's why I'm really happy. So Sami Zayn not going anywhere, um, anywhere at the moment. Yeah. Look at say with that quote you read out, buddy. Sammy prepared an essay to explain why. <laughs> I have a statement I would like to read. I prepared in one th- a thousand words or less why I've decided to resign. <laughs> but like, I know, like, I think it goes to what he said. Like, like some a lot of people assume that everybody in WWE is happy, unhappy. I'm sure there are people who are currently unhappy. Like we talked about Ali, who's clearly unhappy, but it doesn't go for everybody. So he's made a decision that he feels best for him, and I know. And sadly, a lot of people get released, but I think a lot of them were probably frustrated as well, and so have managed to use that in creative ways and benefit themselves elsewhere. So, in the end, being released was probably the best thing for them because they've managed to do so well outside of WWE. But again, yeah, he's managed to, like, I think, being the heel since like 2017, he's managed to get make himself a more like, valuable player and have more longevity because he could just get a lot of stuff just out of the similar, like, the small. Like, like talking segments or like the stuff of the documentary I think is some of his best work and I know I remember at the time a lot of people were surely why did they turn Sammy heel he's such a good underdog babyface but like yeah but he's also very funny as a heel and then you hear stories about people who have had to deal with Sammy and how full of ideas and how much he likes to talk and discuss things and and inadvertently annoys people you really think well this really is him with the volume turned up which is where a lot of the best characters come from yeah uh, just a quick thing. Also, that turns out uh, it turns out that 
Kazarian has re-signed with AEW. I just saw that there. Yes. More, at least three more years of the Elite Hunter, which went <laughs> fucking nowhere. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> well, like, they build them up as old. They're young, but they cost me my tag team with Christopher Harris. I'm the Elite Hunter now. Like, you did fuck all. <laughs> you, got, you got beaten up multiple weeks. The highest you got was beating my, uh, Brandon Cutler on Dark Elevation. Like, and I like Christian, but like they just they they randomly decided to, you know, give Christian a title shot over you. That shows that you're maybe not going where you think you are. Yeah. Um, someone not going to AEW. Uh, uh, again, this is the, the the annoying thing about WrestleMania week, <laughs> WrestleMania season. Sorry. Um, John Johnny Gargano. Uh, it was reported that he had signed. With AEW, according to Dave Meltzer, uh, apparently he's not. He's saying he's not signed or had talks with anyone. Uh, he says he's not. He's not fearful of being forgotten. He's not fearful of any. He's not fearful of being out of the limelight. He hears the fans. He acknowledges their cha- uh, their chance, but um, he doesn't. Would you call it? He 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 do, he's not going anywhere. He's not signed anything yet. So uh, Johnny Gargano not yet at uh, AEW. Do you think he could be a surprise name for the Rumble? I wouldn't put it past him. Like even if it's just like it would be just a one-off for a while, and then he go back. He also be with Candice and preparing for the arrival of their of their child. Because I mean, apparently they, his name was trending like during and after Dynamite, and a lot of people who woke up woke up the next day thought, "Oh, what did Gargano debut last night?" But apparently it was all those getting the fact that why didn't Gargano debut because they I think they convinced themselves he was going to show up because obviously he wasn't under contract and it was in Cleveland where he, just had, where he happens to be from and like and he didn't show up and you know what good for him because like he he doesn't want a I think he's just taking a break from wrestling right now he's managed to get himself in a position where he doesn't need to be under contract but he's in a position where he's comfortable right now and if he wants to go back to WWE I'm sure you'll renegotiate a deal and if he wants to go back if he wants to go AEW or Impact, then he can. I think he's probably just in the best position he can be. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's, I don't think Candice... Is Candice given birth yet at all? I don't think she has. Uh, I know she's still under contract until for at least a couple more months. I think the last report I heard was it might be somewhere mid-February or somewhere in March. And she's still under contract, so she's still with WWE, but also on maternity leave and Imagine if he tries to leave, I'd, I'd worry they'd try and take that time against him. Yeah, I think so. Um, right, should we feed David Campbell's ego and read out his question? Uh, you read out the the question, the answer so far. I'm going to finalise my Uber Eats order. <laughs> um, okay. Pardon me. So, the Chris Sutton of ESSR writes, completely unprompted from Ross McLeod, I write, uh, I've decided this week's question is, what is your favourite Royal Rumble elimination? Answer below, and the loyal Bumble himself will read it out on this week's Central. I wonder who he's talking about. Prick. <laughs> so, 33 comments here, oh, for God's sake, it's if I care what these people think. Um. 
John Isherwood said HBK in 2010 because of the story and what followed afterwards, an elimination that meant something big. I agree with that, yeah. John Isherwood, one of the central loyal. Uh, <laughs> David Hockney says, one of the best I've ever seen was Gene Snitsky eliminating Paul London in 2005. I think that is the most gift-worthy one. Uh, Scott, you put 2001, Steve Blackman trying to skin the cat only to be smacked on the head <laughs> in a trash can lid by Kane. Out of all eleven eliminations, that's his best one. Cause it's just like he's oh, he's gonna get do it. Dink. There you go. Um, Derek Kernan put Royal Rumble '91 bushwhacker look right in, right out. <laughs> um, Alan Laurie put Maven eliminating Taker and then getting his life ended straight after. <laughs> uh, Anthony Fitzpatrick says wasn't technically elimination, but Taker when he was thrown over the top rope in two thousand, he landed on it. Landed head first on his jaw. Aha, concussions are funny, aren't they? <laughs> Ryan Dalgleish says, can't forget about Drew's Claymore on Brock 2020. Um, <laughs> Sean Smith said, Scotty Too Hotty being eliminated by both Brothers of Destruction in 2001. Uh, Matthew Haggerty said, Rumble 2005, Paul London, another vote for that. Um Steve, Steve Stratton put Takamichi Noku 2000. Um, Jack Graham says Scotty Too Hotty and Grandmaster Sexy from the 2000 Rumble. The dance before at the double clothesline and the shrug. Love it. Daniel Campbell said Vince McMahon's quads 2005. <laughs> uh, Alan uh, agrees with Jack saying Rikishi eliminating Too Cool in 2000. And Stephen Wilson put Brock Lesnar eliminating Matt Hardy with an F5 in 2003. What an elimination. So, Scott, if you had to pick one that wasn't any of those ones, what would you pick? Uh, I mean, I, I think a lot of people got in for it before me with the Paul London one. I was going to mention that. I did have another Kane-centric one, which was like 2007. Like, Sabu comes out because it was the first year of ECW being a part of the Rumble because the brand had been brought back the previous year. And Sabu sets a table up on the outside. I don't know what he was planning, but inevitably uh, Kane eliminates him by chokeslamming through said table, which, <laughs> which I just think is great. Also, well, it's not like the most spectacular, like, oh, what a bumpy to it, but just the who funny was, I think it was like Andrade who did it. He eliminated Kofi Kings in 2018 because Kofi had just done his spectacular, like the New Day saved him from elimination by gender. And then Andrade grabs him, looks to the court, the side where Nudie are, and just turns to the other side, just like, nope. <laughs> you know, shows that wrestlers can be smart sometimes. I like, um, I like Bobby Lashley in 2019 by Seth Rollins. Lashley goes over at the corner where Rollins is, starts stomping on him, and Rollins in one swift move wriggles under him and flips him over the rope, and Bobby Lashley's out in like a minute. Or... <laughs> To, to throw a Women's Royal Rumble one in there, um, Alexa Bliss, mid-transformation, <laughs> and just she just gets launched out the ring. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Uh, I, I heard from some people, they said that apparently at the time, a lot of people thought that Sean got eliminated accidentally because he was so convinced with the, no, 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 when he got when he tried to, like, when he desperately tried to grab the rope as he's fallen. So there are yeah. people who thought he went out accidentally. Yeah, the the surprise return of Edge that year was to me the only person that could have won the Rumble that year because I um I, I remember seeing the like build up to it and Sean being like, if you're not going to give me the match, 
I'm going to win the Rumble. And Sean was like, the, he eliminated Triple H. He, he eliminated everybody just about uh, that came near him. And then all of a sudden, um, Batista throws him out. And the like the storyline, as you mentioned, the storyline that came after it and then how convincing it was, it was just, everything about it was just so good. Obviously, one of the great eliminations is still to come in this year's Rumble when Veer Mahan finally makes his appear, debut. <laughs> de- debut is at number 30 and eliminates everybody. Because really, would... to this stage, I really think that if Veer Mahan shows up and the Royal Rumble, not, not even at number 30, but just if, if he actually comes out, then he might get a pop. Because people are like, because he's become a meme with this, the amount of weeks they said, he's coming to Raw. And. <laughs> I was like, people would actually probably like, he's finally arrived. Nice. Him and Emma will debut in the same week. Um, God, you know, I, I would love Veer Mahan to enter the Rumble, win the Rumble, and then go to SmackDown. <laughs> Veer Mahan is not coming to Raw. Or like, now, remember Dan Massa in NXT 2016, they built him up in vignettes, and then the week he debuted, before he could he have his debut match, Joe just came out and battered him. And just yes. we never saw him again until like the greatest Royal Rumble. How about the, all this build, the height? He goes in and gets like a warlord in like the early nineties where Hogan immediately closing them out. Like someone like almost just boots him and he immediately goes flying back out. <laughs> I wouldn't be against that. Um right, well that's gonna do it for this week's uh, ESSR Central ahead of the Royal Rumble. We'll be back next week to discuss the Rumble pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble matches themselves. And, well, I'd say much, much more, but in WrestleMania season, Rumble week is Rumble time. A lot of the a lot of the show will be dedicated to that. Um, don't forget, if you want to listen to any of our back catalogue on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, you can find us on iTunes, Anchor, Spotify and Android. And if you want to get involved in the conversation, at Suplex Retweet, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Um, check out YouTube the latest edition of the Royal Rumble Quiz uh, part of the Quiz Showdown family now let's get ready to fumble and uh, coming soon Quiz Showdown The Chase Kwaku Aji uh, presents Scott McLeod The Chaser and uh, oh, sorry Scott McLeod oh, yes The Chaser that's what it's called and Chris Anthony Lopez Andy Mitchell and myself The Chases um, and of course if you want to get involved in David Campbell's ego stroking question then you can follow us on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet uh, fan community you can join the conversation and yeah just let us know what your, some of your favourite Royal Rumble eliminations we'll see you next week when we're discussing the Rumble thank you very much, bye bye uh... there now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown Hello guys, welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're going to have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.